We may recall together uh, that the planting of the church in Philippi was by Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, and is recorded in Acts chapter 16. Now, sometime after Paul and his companions left Philippi to continue their missional work, new teachers came to the city and came to the church they had planted. These new teachers came with a false teaching, and it was a false teaching that gained popularity, it gained strength. This new false teaching was essentially one of works righteousness. This new false teaching was essentially one that told individuals who already believed in Jesus that what they believed wasn't good enough. They had to work harder, specifically when it came to fulfilling the Old Testament law in order to be right or have righteousness before God. Now, in the earliest church, this was a a pretty common occurrence. Uh, So common, in fact, that these false teachers were given a specific name. They were called Judaizers. And there was even a council in Acts chapter 15 of the church leadership that was called to deal with this problem. See, the Judaizers essentially taught that Gentiles must first become Jews and obey the law as represented by the acceptance of circumcision in order to be right, to have rightness or righteousness before God. St. Paul in the Council of Acts chapter 15 found this addition to be abhorrent and an unwarranted measure as it adds to the gospel. It adds a requirement of works. It tells Gentiles they must be and do in order to be in God's kingdom. It also tells Jewish folks who may want to believe in Jesus that they had to find their righteousness by earning it. But folks, attempts to earn righteousness can take many forms, but all of them are wrong. All of them are unbiblical. What Paul has to deal with here in Philippians chapter 3, what Paul deals with throughout the entirety of his letter to the Galatians, is this modern mindset, this ancient mindset, this timeless mindset that we can earn righteousness before God. That we can, in some way, work hard enough, be good enough, lead a good enough life to bring God, to force God into a corner under some sort of contractual obligation that He must then render us righteousness. You may have heard that uh, above the entrances to the Nazi concentration camps, Auschwitz and Dachau, there were signs promising those who entered the possibility of freedom. The signs, of course, were printed in German. I can't pronounce the German words, so I'll read to you the English translation. Work makes free. This Nazi lie gave to those who entered false hope, a false sense of security, that they might be able to earn their release from prison by working hard enough, by earning it, by achieving it, and making the Nazis owe it to them. This is a lie of history. It is in the words of Pastor Johnny Miller, the spiritual lie of this age. It is a satanic lie, he says, a religious lie. And it's a prevalent thought in our culture. It's a prevalent thought far too often in our churches. 
You see, folks, uh, when we look at Paul's letter, uh, Philippians chapter 3, we come to the conclusion that every aspect of the life of a believer in Jesus is found in Jesus. There is no part of our lives that is free from Jesus' influence. There is no part of our lives that, that we can earn without Jesus being the one who gives it to us. This is, this is nothing to do, the Christian life has nothing to do with anything other than Jesus. The beginning, the middle, and the end. In a 2014 New York Times article, Mayor Michael Bloomberg looked back over the accomplishments of his, his leadership and his achievements in New York City. He had uh, taken great strides in the areas of gun control. He had fought against obesity in the city by limiting sugary drinks, and he had uh, brought smoking in public places to an end. And Michael Bloomberg, looking back over his accomplishments, says, I'm telling you, if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I have earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. Just, just another way to say work makes free. And I wish I could say that Mayor Bloomberg's perspective is unusual, but I fear that his belief is common in our modern world. This belief that if I do enough good things, if I live a good enough life, I will be right with God and God will owe me admittance to a pleasant afterlife. It's all too common in our world and quite frankly, it's all too common in the church that goes by Jesus' name. Righteousness isn't earned. It's received. When Paul has to deal with these detractors, when Paul has to deal with these false teachers who say, in this context, you have to be a great Jewish man or woman, you have to fulfill the law in order to uh, get righteousness or earn righteousness before God, in order to rebuke this line of thinking, St. Paul breaks out uh, what I would call his resume. As we heard read this morning, he was circumcised on the eighth day. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. St. Paul was a Jew par excellence. He knew his lineage. He knew his ethnicity. Regarding the Old Testament law, Paul was a Pharisee, the, the strictest of the Jewish sects when it came to observance and attention to the law. Paul was so zealous for the law and to obey the law that when the church began to form, he persecuted it. And when it came to his observance, his keeping of the law, he could say he was blameless. Paul tells these Judaizers uh, that they are not in his league. In fact, they're junior varsity. Much like the rest of the SEC when it comes to Alabama. It's very kind of the SEC to give Alabama a bye week every weekend. Paul essentially says to these Judaizers that, who are saying, you have to earn your way, you have to earn your way, you have to achieve it. He says, if that was true, I could have done it far beyond you. Because when it comes to the law, when it comes to the spiritual and ethnic privilege that Paul knew, he essentially says to the Judaizers, y'all ain't got nothing on me. And about this ethnic privilege, about this legal privilege, about this spiritual privilege, Paul says something really surprising in chapter 3, verse 7. Whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth 
of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ. Righteousness is not about you, it's about Jesus. Righteousness is not about that which we can do to earn it. It's about Jesus already having it and us by faith in grace receiving it. All of these things that that St. Paul did, all of those things that Mayor Bloomberg did, while they may be nice things, they may be good things, when compared to the infinitely better way of Jesus Christ, Paul says they are rubbish. Rubbish, I have to tell you, if you're reading in the English Standard Version, you'll see it as rubbish. That's a bit of a sanitized word for our uh, refined tastes. Uh, you might be surprised to know that in, uh, in some of the Greek and Hebrew, it's a little rougher around the edges than we perhaps would like. The word here, in fact, has a range of meaning that Paul uses it. Rubbish is, is perfectly fine, but it also is the same word is used to refer to dead bodies. The same word is used to refer to excrement. The same word is used to refer to thrown out food. And so when Paul says that his, his good works are rubbish, we're talking about a word that carries far more impact than the half-eaten eclair that George Costanza once retrieved from the top of the garbage bin. We're talking about sewage. We're talking about a rotting corpse. All of Paul's good works, and if all of Paul's good works were counted as sewage when compared to Jesus... Where does that leave ours? Our best deeds, whatever we might call good works, cannot meet the standard necessary for rightness before God. Paul calls them rubbish. The prophet Isaiah proclaimed this, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. That itself is a sanitized word. Before God, the holy and righteous one, who defines righteousness, our best deeds, our good works are called sewage by Paul and used minstrel cloths by Isaiah. And so with respect to Mayor Bloomberg, respect to those of us who think we can earn our way, with respect to those who think that there is just heading right in with no, on our own merit, rightness with God is not earned because we can't be good enough. And the best that we can do is trash a big pile of steaming rubbish. And since the best that we can possibly do is a heaping, steaming pile of rubbish, we need a righteousness that is not our own. We need a righteousness that meets God's standards. Paul comes to this in verse 9 of Philippians chapter 3. All his good works are rubbish. He gave them all up in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. What an amazing exchange for those who believe. 
You know, we, we walk through our lives thinking that, that, that God will exchange something with us. We walk through our lives thinking that if we work hard enough, that if we do what we would call good things, if we help a lo- enough little old ladies across the street with their groceries like a good Boy Scout, if we do enough good things that we will force God to reply and give us a heavenly existence or give us a pleasant afterlife. But that's not the biblical exchange. The biblical exchange, rather, is that for those who trust in Jesus, their righteousness is sort of washed away and wiped away, and Jesus' righteousness is given, is imputed to the believer. And so in Jesus Christ, it's not our own righteousness that we have that's been reformed. It is an alien righteousness from the outside that comes in. And so it's not about us. It's not about us earning it. It's about Jesus already having it to give to us who believe. And there's something freeing in that, I think. Professor Sean McDonough says that God imputes Christ's lifelong record of perfect obedience to the person who trusts in him for salvation. That is, God thinks of Christ's obedience as belonging to that person. And therefore, that person stands before God not as guilty, but as righteous. That's the great exchange in Scripture, the great exchange of my unrighteousness for Christ's righteousness, not because I've earned it, but because he gives it to those who believe. As Paul will say in Ephesians chapter 2, in your belief, your faith, that isn't even of you. That too is a gift. From beginning to end, life in Christ is about Christ, and it is an amazing, gracious gift. Righteousness that is received. I was told that the movie Get Low is an obscure movie. Has anyone ever seen that one? So me and like two other people. All right, George and Prissy, I'm going to talk to you. And Prissy's even shaking her head no. Well, I'm going to use it because it's an amazing illustration, and I would encourage you to rent the movie Get Low. Martin, you'd love it. Because Robert Duvall's in it, that's why. Yes, and I will watch any movie that Robert Duvall is in twice. Robert Duvall plays the main character, a hermit in the 1930s uh, in Tennessee, named Felix Bush. At one point in the story, Felix has a conversation with a local pastor in which the pastor says to him, what matters is when you come to the end of your life that you're ready for the next one. Now, have you made peace with God, sir? To this question, Felix Bush replies, I paid. By this, Felix means, as the movie unfolds, spoiler alert, Felix means that he has spent his entire adult life paying, trying to pay for his sins in his youth. In particular, a sin from 40 years ago where because of his sin, a young, a young person was killed. And so in trying to pay for his sin, Felix cut himself off from community. He lived in self-imposed exile for over 40 years, cutting himself off from society, from community, from happiness, from any possibility of family. And as the events of the movie unfold, he hopes, he says, he's finally been good enough. He's been punished long enough where he says, I paid. But the pastor responds with these words, Mr. Bush, you can't buy forgiveness. It's free, but you do have to ask for it. Far too often, we're like Felix Bush. Far too often, we're like Mayor Bloomberg. We think that our righteousness is good enough, but it isn't. It's rubbish. 
Believers in Jesus can only be considered righteous because, because of God giving them Jesus' righteousness. And when one trusts in Jesus Christ, Jesus' righteousness is given to that believer. And at the same time, God brings believers into the power of Jesus' life. If we look again at Paul's words in verse 10, that I may know him as Jesus and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Trusting in Jesus means that those who trust in him know him, and Jesus then exerts influence over those who trust. He calls us into his life. He gives us his righteousness, and he blesses us with a renewal that we simply cannot earn on our own. And folks, Jesus doesn't want our lives. Our lives are a mess. Jesus wants to give us his life. He wants to rebuild us from the foundations up. He wants to actually be the foundation. Righteousness isn't earned. It's received by grace through faith. Rightness with God isn't earned through effort or being good. It's received by grace through faith in Jesus Christ as his righteousness is given. And those who believe are brought into his life. And this new life looks like freedom. This new life looks like freedom from striving after your own effort or in your own effort to a freedom to chase Jesus. As Paul puts it this way, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus gives to those who believe His righteousness. Christ Jesus gives to those who believe His life. And Christ Jesus gives to those who believe the upward call of God. When a believer trusts in Jesus, Jesus makes that believer his own. And being made free by Jesus, the believer is now free to seek God, free to chase after God, simply for God's sake and for God's glory. Coming into God's kingdom, righteousness before God is not earned. Work does not make free. Work does not create righteousness. Work does not change us. Work does not rebuild our future by redeeming our pasts. Only grace, the grace of God found in Jesus Christ, makes us righteous. Only faith in Jesus makes his righteousness our own. Only Jesus can change us and make us different. Only in Jesus can our futures be of a different stuff than our past. Rightness before God cannot be earned. It is only received. The grace of God is exactly that. It is grace. It is given. It is a gift. I've said this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.